If you're applying to PA school in the 2024-2025 cycle, then I need you to know about our Pre-PA Academy. This is a group coaching program that I have wanted to start for so long and I am pumped. So from February to October of this cycle, we will be working as a cohort through the entire application process. The way that Academy works is we'll have three to four weekly sessions with myself and the other PA platform coaches where we will be teaching and doing group work and live personal statement editing, live mock interviews, question and answer, office hours, virtual shadowing, and just walking you through this entire PA school application process. We're going to start from your personal statement, choosing the programs, making a school list, getting your application ready before it opens in April on CASPA to getting you ready for interviews, what to do if you're hearing back, what to do if you're not. This is like our webinar series, but so much more intimate. Talking to students who have joined the program, it really seems like they are most excited for the accountability, the support, and the community through this process, and that is exactly what I wanted to offer. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. I promise. And we're just going to have a good time getting to know each other and working through it together and learning from each other. I want you guys to learn from each other in the program. You can sign up at any time. The code, if you want $50 off of your registration, is HELLO24. And we would love to have you as part of our first cohort of Pre-PA Academy for this upcoming cycle. Today we get to hear from Sarah, who is a current first-year PA student in the Yale Online PA program. So I know this is a popular program and we'll get all the insights and things you need to know if you're considering applying. Welcome to the Pre-PA Club podcast. If you want to learn how to become a physician assistant, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Savannah Perry. Let's get to it. Alright guys, before we get into the podcast, I wanted to tell you about a new course from Ross Review, which is a blueprint prep company specifically for PA students who are about to take pants, and then there is an option now for current PAs who are recertifying with the Panry or Panry LA, which is what I am currently doing, but this review course is live, and the first one is June 12th through 15th. It's very dynamic. There are two instructors who will be leading you through all of the information you need to know for boards. And, you know, the pants can be a little bit intimidating. It's a lot of information and everything you've learned during PA school. So it's tough. Um, there is a 100% pass guarantee and there will be future dates if the June date doesn't work for you. This is a course that will be offered monthly. It'll be four days that you can sit and learn and take in all of this information to make sure you are ready to go for boards. Um, so this is a really great option, especially if you're someone who needs that intensive learning experience <laughs> to make sure that you feel confident on test day. I would not underestimate the pants and Rosh Review is definitely proven in this space to have the best study resources and knowledge as far as what you need to do well. Their Q-Banks are amazing, and so this course is a really, really great 
way to kind of condense everything and give you the information that you need to get a jump start on studying for either the pants or the pantry. Uh, so yeah, it's a great value. It's $350 for the course, which is fantastic um, for a live course. And if you have any questions about it, feel free to reach out to me. I'll put links in the description with all of the information so that you can find out more about the live uh, pants review course. And I might even see you there. All right, so definitely check that out. And I have so many other cool things to tell you about before we get to our interview. On Instagram, we have been hearing that some schools are starting to interview. So not too many. I've seen Chapman University. I've seen University of Michigan come in, Toro. Yale usually, Yale Online usually interviews fairly early. So if you are procrastinating your application, waiting, scared, all of the above, go ahead and get your app submitted so that you can hopefully get an interview quickly and take advantage of that rolling admissions. So that's one thing. We have a interview webinar coming up on June 8th. It'll be at 8 p.m. And we would love to see you there. It's a free webinar. We'll just be talking about interview prep, how to get ready, things you can be doing. Uh, and we may do a little bit of practice. If you've come to any of our webinars in the past, we love to bring people up on the quote stage and practice, uh, do some, some live practice. So that would be fun. And so I think, um, you know, all of our webinars afterwards, there is a replay that you go up on YouTube for this year. So you can watch it if you aren't able to watch live, but if you want that email, with the information, go ahead and sign up, and all of the information and links will be in the description for you. Let's see, anything else before we jump in with Sarah? So we do talk about in this interview the fact that Yale is technically on probation right now, and I was informed actually yesterday that Yale will not be filling all 80 seats of their online program. They will only be filling 40 seats this year. That probably won't affect whether you apply to them or not. And probation, again, is a fully accredited status that happens a lot of times with newer programs. I'm not particularly concerned about a pro program on probation, especially if they are upfront about why. Uh, and you can always look that up on the ARC PA website. But it is something that we talk a little bit about since that is something a little bit new since the last time we've talked about Yale Online. So I hope you enjoyed this interview with Sarah. Um, oh, the last thing I wanted to mention is, and I'll be sharing a lot about this on social, coming up in October, which is, you're like, why are you talking about October? We are, I'll be speaking and helping with the PA aspects, the pre-PA aspects of an in-person conference called MappedCon. Um, so if you haven't heard of Mapped, it's a really cool online free software resource that has the best GPA calculator I've seen, a way to track your experiences, track your coursework, basically everything you need to be ready for applications and kind of make sure you're on track. There's very interactive timelines so that you can follow along and just, you know, check all the boxes, make your life easier than trying to track in Google Docs and notebooks like I do with everything. But we'll put a link to that in the description as well. Um, there is an advisor option that is paid where you get one-on-one -on -one advising. 
I'm also helping with some of that. And I think it's, it's, I don't know, $7 a month or something like that. But with my sign up link, you get a couple months free and this is the perfect time to take advantage of that. Ask all your questions. Um, so that'll be in the description, but MAPTCon is a pre-health conference in Baltimore. It is October 6th through 8th. October 7th is kind of the big day with lots of talks, panels. There's going to be PA admissions there. I'll be speaking. Um, lots of opportunities to connect with schools, connect with other pre-PAs. So it's going to be really awesome. Um, and we'll put that link where you can sign up in the description for that. We'd love to see you there and meet you. Uh, feel free to share with your pre-PA clubs too. All right, sorry for the kind of long intro, but let's get into our interview with Sarah. My name is Sarah. I um, I was a child life specialist prior to PA school. I'm not too sure if many people know what that is. Usually, even in the hospital, you have to kind of explain what you are. Um, I worked with pe the pediatric setting. I helped children throughout procedures and helped them understand their diagnosis. Um, so it was, it was much more of like a psychosocial role of support than it was anything. Um, I wasn't doing anything medically um, invasive or anything like that to children. Um, and now I'm in, I just finished term one of PA school at Yale PA online. We had our first immersion where I met the rest of the students in person on campus in March. That was really exciting. Um, we also got to meet our faculty in person because right now everything's on Zoom. Um, we have classes Monday, Wednesday, Friday for two hours each. And then otherwise, all of our lectures are pre-recorded. Okay. So you can do it sort of at your own pace, but everything is due within like each week you have to finish your content for that week. So it's still a lot of work, but right now I just, I'm glad finals are over. We have a week off and then term two starts back up with everything all over again. Oh man, I want to hear a lot more about that. I want to backtrack to child life specialists for a minute. Um, a couple of people I went to college with ended up doing that. And I thought it was so unique because it was something I'd never heard of. Can you, did that count for your patient care experience? First of all? Yes, it certainly did. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then what, what are the requirements for that? Like, how do you get into that? Is it something you need a bachelor's for, or you went to school after? Like, what does that path look like to become a child life specialist? Yeah. So typically, technically the requirement is you need a bachelor's, but at one point in time, um, the ACLP, which is like our AAPA, um, they had required a master's for a short amount of time and then they took it back. And after they did that, all of the um, internship supervisors really liked the master's students. And so you essentially needed a master's to get in, even though the requirement was a bachelor's degree. Um, so I, I did my master's and then you need um, a 600 hour internship. Um, which is unpaid. And you do that for like a semester worth of time. And once you have your clinical hours done, then you can sit for the exam. And once you pass the exam, then you're a child life specialist. Okay, cool. Um, I think that's a really interesting option that people maybe, you know, want to check out, especially if they have an interest in peds and, you know, getting involved with the kiddos to kind of see what that's all about. So that's an interesting patient care experience. That I don't think we've really talked about uh, before. Um, so what made you, when you went into that, did you already know you wanted to be a PA or did that kind of come later after you had gotten some experience in the hospital? Like how did you find the PA profession? So it did, it did take me a little while. I was, my heart had been set on child life my whole life. I knew that was what I wanted to do. 
And once I got into it, I still loved working with children. I loved what I was doing in the field. Um, I just think I found myself being drawn to more of the medical aspects of my work and looking up like, what does this diagnosis mean? How did they come to that diagnosis just based on how this patient presented? Like, it was wild to me. So I wanted to do more of the medical aspect and um, all of my experience with PAs, both in the professional setting and as a patient myself, have been nothing but positive. Um, and I realized I wanted to have that same kind of connection I had with my patients as a child life specialist of being able to sit down and actually talk to them about their diagnosis um, and spend time with patients. And um, the PA that I had, I had seen around the time that I was kind of changing my mind, she had sat down with me for like 45 minutes to explain um, my diagnosis at the time. And I was like, I don't think anybody has ever sat with me for 45 straight minutes in a doctor's office before. And I think my interactions with PAs, again, both professionally and as a patient, I knew that this was, I didn't, I didn't touch anything else. I, I had toyed with nursing beforehand. And then I was like, you know what? That's not for me. This route of PA is definitely the direction I want to go in. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's a common path is, you know, maybe figuring out that PA is an option and then also feeling kind of limited in what you can do in, in your role and then seeing it as a way to open doors and give you more involvement with those patients you're already taking care of. Um, I hear that a lot. And even, you know, from people in roles like medical assistant and CNA, where it's like, they want to have those conversations with patients, but you feel like you can't because you don't have that background or that scope yet. So I think that's a pretty common path. Um, when you decided, okay, like this is what I'm going to do. I'm for sure going PA. What were your next steps? Did you already have everything kind of lined up that you needed or did you have to go back and take classes? How did you research schools? What did you do next to get there? So I knew I needed more of the prereq requirements and I flew through them as quick as I possibly could. I actually did them through, um, I think it was called Portage or ABC yeah. Nursing. I think ABC Nursing and Portage like came together maybe, but Portage yeah. Online where you could do it at your own pace. Um, I went through all my prereqs super quick and to make the um, the deadline for early admission to Yale PA Online. Okay. So I got my prereqs out of the way and I was only between two schools. I was between Yale PA online and um, University of New England were the two that I applied to. Um, I had received an invitation for interviews with both of them. And the interview for Yale PA online was before the interview for uh, UNE. And then I actually found out about my acceptance to Yale PA online um, a few days after they had invited me to the interview for UNE. And I already knew that this was the program for me. So I declined the interview and um, here I am. So I, I'm glad it worked out that way because for me, it was also partly location-based. I wasn't in a position to just, you know, uproot my life and move somewhere. Um, so I, I wanted to stay in in New England here with my partner and or animals. So I know yeah. other people in my program too have families and they have kids and they're not in the position to just, you know, take their life somewhere else. So it's one of my favorite things about the program that there's people from all over the country that I'm working with on Zoom and doing the same classes with and studying with. And it's incredible. 
And that's cool just for making connections too. Like the PA world is pretty small and well-connected. So even through just social media and conferences, I feel like I know PAs all over. So when somebody says, do you know a Durham PA in uh, Houston or Dallas or LA or whatever? I'm like, oh yeah, I do. Like I, I know somebody there. I can refer you and get you set up. So that's like cool that you have those built-in connections from your class. Um. How were the Portage classes? I see those mentioned a lot in our pre-PA Facebook group of people looking for ways to get their prereqs done. Did you find that process easy? Would you recommend those classes to somebody trying to get their prereqs completed? Yeah, definitely. I, especially if you're good at independent learning, which especially if you're applying applying to Yale PA online, it is a lot of being an, an independent learner. Um, so if you're used to the online like format, I I would say like the trickiest part might be getting used to the technology of it. Otherwise, um, if you can study by yourself, if you can learn content by yourself, um, and you're even the professors there, like they were, um, very receptive. They were very good at communication. If I had a question about something I didn't understand, they were very responsive. So Mm -hmm. I would highly recommend Portage for prereqs. Um, it was the only one I did for prereqs other than what I still had from undergrad, yeah. which I think was two courses, the rest of the courses I had to take, but I really liked it. I think it's really convenient for people that are looking for an exact class to take at your own time. Yeah. And I know from Yale online, they've mentioned, and part of their kind of application process is asking if you've done online learning because they want to make sure that you know what you're getting into and that you'll be able to do it. And It's interesting because thinking back to 2020, when a lot of learning went online, um, I think a lot of people found that they struggled with virtual learning and that it was not the right fit for them, whereas other people do great with it. And they are, like you said, a self-motivated learner. They can do it and they can stay on top of it and, and kind of, you know, I think for different types of people. I've heard some people who are like night owls who love it because they can do it at night. And then like, I'm an early bird. So like, I will get up at 5am. That's my, you know, most focused time and can get stuff done. Um, so I think for, you know, people who are in those kinds of, um, you know, patterns and do well there, it may be a good option. Um, one thing that's interesting about Yale that I think you mentioned is that you did the early decision. Yeah. So Yale is one of the only programs that does that. Med school, it's so common, but Yale is one of the only ones as far as PA that has an early decision. Can you tell us that timeline of kind of when you submitted your application and deadline and interview and what that looked like? Yeah. So otherwise it was, it was rolling admissions, but then they had an, they had a deadline for early admission. Um, I believe the deadline, if I, I, I could be wrong, but I believe it was July 1st. And then I submitted the very end of June because I had to finish my last prereq, get my transcripts and then send them in. And that was the last thing I was waiting for. Um, so I had I had applied by July 1st and then my interview. So they had emailed me about, I want to say three weeks later, they had emailed me to set up my interview. And the, or no, I guess it was it was pretty quick because I saw the rest of July had been filled and most of August had been filled and I didn't get to interview until August 17th. Okay. Um, so once I interviewed August 17th, I heard back in early September. So yeah, it was pretty quick. And then there had been other people that had already been admitted to the program and now talking to people that are now in my class, you know, learning when people got admitted and like who kind of came in a little later 
And then you could see our Slack channel, like building and building as people got admitted. Yeah. Um, so I was definitely one of the like closer to the later ones. I think they accepted people. I think the last round of acceptances was like mid to late October. Okay. So that's pretty quick to get their class filled up. And it's such a popular program. Just the convenience, the reputation, the faculty are fantastic. Um, so I think it gets a lot of attention and a lot of applications. So looking back at that process of getting ready to apply, your application process, was there anything that you found super helpful or that you wish you did differently, that you wish you knew? Before? You were super helpful. I, <laughs> I'm so glad to hear. <laughs> my admissions counselor, so I, I didn't really know what resources to use. And I was kind of just like, it was me and Google trying to figure out where I should be going. And um, my admissions counselor had said, have you heard of Savannah Perry? Like, you need to check out her platform. Um, everything she has on there is, you know, super, super helpful for getting prepared for interviews. So I had listened to your MMI podcast um, probably way too many times, even though I'd already heard it. I just yeah. wanted to feel a little bit prepared. Yeah. <laughs> so I listened to that. Um, I had uh, printed out your, I think it was like a PDF of possible questions and there were so many of them. And I started doing practice questions. And somewhere in your podcast, you said, just start talking to yourself in the car. And it sounds weird. And it's going to feel a little weird at first, but just do it. And I did that on my long drives. So uh, that's kind of how I prepared. And then I had also printed out, like I had made myself like kind of a template of my thought process, because you had said they want to know your thought process. They kind of want to see your ethics and your morals and just who you are as a person and how you're making decisions. So I had done that because I wanted to make sure that in my interview, I gave the answer that I knew I would choose for whatever I was going to do in said scenario, and then give two other answers of this is what I'm not choosing. And this is why I wouldn't take that approach. That way I would remember to go through my thought process and say yeah. what I thought was ethically or morally wrong to do in that situation. Yeah. So having that like laid out next to me in the few minutes that you have before answering the question was super easy because I was really nervous and I could see like, okay, one, two, three, like, what am I doing? What am I, what are the two things I'm not doing? Um, and then I would put a few bullets as to why. Yeah. So giving myself that template and having something to write down um, during the interview, it, it definitely helped. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, organizing your thoughts and getting them together, that's great. And sounds like you did that perfectly. Um, and it is something that takes practice. Like, it's just weird to do until you've done it a little bit and then you get used to it and figure out the timing and all of that. Clearly, yeah. we're not going to talk about questions, but so you had a virtual MMI. Yes. Okay. Was that weird? I didn't, I've never done an MMI, so I don't know any. So it wasn't it was time for you. Yeah. Um, that's what it's, we do them when we do mock interviews and sometimes people are just like, this is weird. Like, I don't know how to respond. Um, cause it's, it's just a little bit different than being in person. Um, but I do think that interview style gives you a lot of opportunity to show a lot about yourself that maybe a traditional, like, back and forth question type interview doesn't. Yeah. Um, so I see why schools use them. 
and but they can be nerve-wracking for sure I definitely thought I was under the impression that all schools did the zoom platform because I was also still in oh, mind yeah. COVID where like oh MMIs have to be online because they don't want you coming yeah. there yet oh but, yeah no, at last year, a, few, a good bit of programs went back to in-person interviews and some did both or they would give an option. So they would, you know, say you can do virtual or you can do in-person. Um, a lot still did virtual, but it was just funny because I don't know if, if you were in PA education stuff when Yale Online came out, but when they first opened, there was a little bit of controversy of like, should PA programs be online? is this going to work kind of thing? Um, and I think they got some pushback from that. But then in 2020, when everything went online, everyone went to Yale and was like, okay, how are you doing this? Help us. And a lot of the programs have continued to adopt a lot of that. Like, so my program that I went to I went in um, Georgia, they never recorded lectures. They never did anything online. And now... I go and lecture there usually in the fall. Um, now they record the lectures and if somebody's sick, they can watch from home. They have like all this technology that they didn't have before. Uh, so, I mean, I guess that's a plus from the pandemic. I don't know. Um, but Yale was like so far ahead of everyone else. So like, we're fine. We're good. Um, and I, I've, I've, is Jim Van Ries still there? And he's not okay he left um before like I was accepted and then um before our program officially started in January we were told that he was no longer going to be okay. in the program I haven't looked at their website recently is um and then Jane McDaniel she's still there she's still there yeah um we had connected at some point through this process and just everyone there has always been so passionate and so kind and so great um and so yeah it's a great program um, so what did you do between the time that you got accepted to PA school and you knew that you're going to be starting at Yale online to actually starting the program? Did you just keep working? Clearly you didn't have to move, which is great. <laughs> you could, you know, stay in one place, but what kind of stuff did you try to get ahead or did you just, you know, wait till it started and then jump in? So we had a boot camp that we had to do. Um, okay. It wasn't required for the year before us. It was highly recommended. And our year was the first year that they had required it. Um, and it's I, it's none of their professors. It's, def, it's like an outsource. It's similar to Portage almost where okay. it's um, all online, obviously. And it's kind of just like a refresher to see where you're at before starting to kind of get an idea of, you know, where were you at during the prereqs? Because some people's prereqs were from many years before getting accepted. So it was kind of – an it was definitely nerve wracking because I was like, do I need to know all of this, like the back of my hand? And um, some of the upperclassmen kind of, we had like a mentorship program. So we were paired with a mentor who um, could kind of like talk us through the beginning of PA school. And mine was like, you definitely like, she's like, I didn't even do it. Like it wasn't required. I didn't do it. And I'm fine. I'm passing with honors yeah. every class. Um, so then it kind of calmed me down. But it was certainly helpful just to kind of like refresh on anatomy, refresh on some like basic science and like microbiology. Um, it was helpful. I just definitely for anybody going into the program or having to do some type of like boot camp before you start, like don't think too much into it because they're going to end up teaching you what you need to know for your tests and quizzes and for the pants. 
all of that. Okay. Um, and then, so now that you're in PA school, is it what you expected or has it been different than you expected? Harder, easier? I feel like we, we talk a lot about expectations ahead of time, but until you're in it, you just, you don't always get it really. Yeah, I definitely, the advice I got going in, I didn't want to listen to it because I was like, no, I've been a straight A student my whole life and I'm going to keep it that way. Like A's, if anything, like a B, but in our, in our program, 72 is passing. And luckily I have done really well this semester, but going into the program, I was like, I need honors in every single class. Like I need 90 and above. Um, and then now that I'm here, I'm like, you know what? Passing is great. <laughs> um, I think I thought I knew it was going to be challenging. That's for sure. I knew it was going to be hard. Um, and it is. I think it's kind of what I expected as far as like challenging level. Um, yeah, it's I you have to like I I thought about, you know, picking up maybe like like a per diem gig or part time waitressing. Nope, I'm I am. 100% fully in school and studying every single day. Yeah. It's nice that I get to like make my own schedule as far as when I do that, but it's definitely a full-time commitment and it's just as challenging as I expected it would be. Yeah. Um, I, I get lots of questions like, do you think I could work? And I'm like, maybe you could like house it or <laughs> something where you are not actually working. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot. And, and that's true. Do you feel like being in an online program, you are missing out on any part of PA school, like the clinical side of things? This is what, these are things that I hear reservations that people have. Um, do you feel like you're missing out on connecting with your classmates or faculty in any way? Or do you feel like that hasn't been a hurdle for you? I don't feel like it's been a hurdle. Um, so I know a lot of my class, there was an option to get put into a study group and you did a survey about how you study and what helps you learn best. And then um, our advisor had put us into um, into study groups on based on how you study. I opted not to do that. I know a lot of people really like it. Um, and the people that found that they just study best by themselves, they also kind of steered away from being in a formal study group. Mm -hmm. But I study with one other person um, him and I talk every single day and, you know, we prepare for the same quizzes at the same time. We take them at the same exact time just so like we can both get them over with at the same time. Um, yeah. And I found it helpful just to have one other person who studies the way that I do and we work on outlines together. So we have all the same study materials. Um, as far as professors go, I, I feel connected with my professors just because they're so responsive and yeah. they email back right away. And it's weird because like we watch them lecture to us. So like I'm seeing them more than they're seeing me. So that part feels weird. Yeah. But we also have PBL groups, which is the two hours, like I said, two hours, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And yeah. our instructor for that changes. So we had um, the first eight weeks, we had one instructor. And then the next eight weeks, we had a, a separate one. And for the next two terms, we have one for every 16 weeks. So we're getting exposure to different faculty. And also different students in those groups. So it changes, your group changes every time. So I feel pretty connected. And also immersion helped with that, like being on campus and feeling like a real student. Um, the weird part about it was like going in person and 
all of a sudden, like they're talking to us about like lecturing about something. And I'm like, I can't hit pause or rewind on that. <laughs> like that part yeah. was weird because it's the opposite problem. Um, but certainly I, I definitely feel connected with my program, with my class. We're all in Slack and it's pretty much busy all the time. So it's it's definitely a weird way of learning, but it's um, I really like it. It works for you. I've heard, and this may have changed since the last time I talked to anyone about Yale, that they try to get you in clinical settings pretty early. Um, can you talk about what that's like and then what rotations will be like for once you get to that point? Of course. So our it's called SEED, which is Clinical Experience in Early Didactic. And it starts next week. I'm going to be doing four hours a week. Um, some students are doing eight hours every other week. And it's from May 1st until um, winter break in December. So okay. it's all of them are supposed to be with a primary care provider because they're training us to be primary care providers. Um, but some people are doing it in different locations, especially if they want to go into a certain specialty. So one of my friends is doing it in like um, an urgent care yeah. capacity. Um, but most of us are doing it in, in primary care. So that's four hours a week. Um, and then starting in January is our full-time clinicals. And we do that from January until the following end of April. So right now, the class of 2023, this is their last week of clinicals. And they are taking pants and they are graduating. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be 16 months of full-time clinicals starting in January. That's nice. Uh, our program only had 12 months. And I think that's a little bit more common is to have shorter amount of clinicals. So it's kind of nice that you get that extra time. Yeah. Um, in there, how many times do you have to go in person for the immersions? So we had the one in March, we go again in December. And that's where we take the pack rat. And we have to test out of certain um, like patient assessment things. So showing that we know how to do certain um, physical exams. So we test out of all of the in-person stuff in December, and then that's um, before we start clinicals in January. And then we don't go back again until graduation. Okay. So three times total? Three times for one week okay. each. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I think I would have loved something like this. <laughs> this totally would have been <laughs> something I would have liked to do. Um, and I really don't think any other program has it has become fully online like this. I think some are, but they're still kind of more regional to where the students are in areas where they can't really access the program or move in rural settings and stuff. So I think Yale's done a really good job with that. Um, there's, you know, the elephant in the room is Yale online is on probation. Have yep. they talked about that? Is that anything that you're worried about or so they definitely talked to us about it okay. and it was never something I was worried about even from the beginning. Um, so I actually, so back to when we talked about my timeline with applying and everything, before I found out that I was accepted, all of the potential students were invited to these town hall Zoom meetings where they talked about it and they told us the changes they were planning on making, what the probation status meant. Um, they sent us everything that, you know, we'd like to read through. Um, so I attended the town hall meeting where they talked about what this meant for us as like in a possible incoming class. Again, I didn't know I was admitted yet. Um, and then 
uh, once I was admitted, I, I decided like after that town hall meeting, I felt very comfortable and confident in the faculty and in making the changes that the RPA um, had laid out. And then since then, they would send us email updates. Anytime there was something going on, there was continued town hall meetings for students. And then just recently, we actually received an email this morning. Um, so I'm glad I had this today. Um, but the most recent update was that the ARCPA had favorably received their ELPA's um, report. So I guess and then they wrote it out about what that meant. So like I'm not super, you know, informed about much of this, but um, as far as like what this all means, but they kind of laid it out for us about what it meant. So they said favorably received means that um, as of now, we don't have to submit any more reports. They were happy with the changes. And right now, like that's just where we're at. So it was good news. And um, they had told us that they had formed a few more committees. So there was um, one committee about um, like assessment of the curriculum and then another committee about like education assessment. And they're hiring more faculty. That was the end of the emails that they have um, extended one position and the other position um, has been filled. So they've updated us about much of the changes and um, we take a lot of surveys too is the other thing. They always want our feedback. <laughs> so it's become very evident that um, they care about our feedback and that they're applying our feedback. And um, I've I've never, you know, distrusted them or felt like something was going to happen with this because of how upfront they were and how communication um, has just been continuous about it throughout my whole process. Well, and that's, I don't think people realize two things that number one, you can go on the ARC PA website and see why a program is on probation at any time. And so it'll list out, you know, if it's administrative, sometimes it's just that they forgot to pay their fees. Like it's, you know, they didn't get there in time. Um, But usually it's not, anything too major um, or it's very fixable. And number two, going from a provisional or new program to probation is actually pretty common Um, just because it's a lot of what you mentioned, like a lot of admin stuff can happen. There's usually a little bit more faculty turnover at the beginning um, and those things can be enough to push a program into probation. Um, and so that's kind of as they're getting stabilized, as they're figuring things out, that can happen. And then usually they fix it and are good to go. And even if you start at a school on probation or graduate from a school on probation, you can still take boards. So, um, yeah, I didn't really have any issues with Yale being on, on probation, but I know it was something that people were concerned about and kind of came up. So, um, what do you see yourself doing? Do you see yourself ending up in somewhere having to do with kids and peds or something completely different? I think I, I, right now my heart is set on primary care. Um, I think if for some reason that changes, then pediatrics, um, would be my next. Next, next year too. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And rotations are very helpful for figuring all of that out. So yeah, I'm definitely um, excited for it. You'll have to update us once you finish and figure out where you end where you want to end up and all of that. But thank you so much for sharing and being willing to come on and give all of your advice and insights. I know this will be thank you for having me. Yes. 
Um, yeah, so I'll kind of stop it there and, and edit some stuff, but no, that's, it sounds like you're doing great. Um, and yeah, Yale, on, I think, I think an online program would have been so cool. I would have loved, loved to do something like that. Um, even though it is a little, a little different. Yeah, um, it's definitely like the, the one thing too, is that no matter if you're online or if you are like an in-person I think the biggest thing is that your whole life changes. And that was one thing that I guess I wasn't completely prepared for because yeah. you don't realize how how big of a – like obviously it's a big commitment, but it's just so much more challenging than any other type of like undergrad. Like, or, yes, you know. it's very different. Like you, you just don't realize how much time you had in undergrad or – and it's like the learning's different, the amount of material, the type of material. It's just, it's, and it's a lot all at once. Like it kind of is very fast and you have to just be able to jump in and do it. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a tough transition for sure. And I think by the time you kind of like find your groove and are doing good, then it's time to move on to something else and you keep going. So <laughs> it's, it's hard to explain that to people um too because I think you know we we all are a little bit type a and feel like we got this we can do it and then we get there we're like oh my gosh no I can't (laughs) you don't really know it until you're in it like it you can be as prepared as you you know you can feel like you're as prepared as you possibly can and once you're in it it's just it it's all just you just got to take it as it, as it comes. Yeah. And be very flexible and adjust and all those things. 